Thank you for joining the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast with your host, Clayton Craddock. Welcome to the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast. My name is Clayton Craddock, and this is your one-stop shop for everything you'll need to know about playing drums for Broadway musicals. Today, my guest is Bill Lanham. He's an amazing drummer here in New York City, and he's worked with a whole bunch of different people. Leslie Gore, Melba Moore, Deborah Gibson, Fantasia Eartha Kitt, and Ricky Martin, just to name a few. On Broadway, he's held the percussion chair at Wonderland, Jekyll and Hyde, and the drum chair at Les Mis, South Pacific, Evita, and Cats. I'm honored to have him on my podcast. Stay tuned. joining the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast. If you like what you hear on the show, subscribe to the Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter at broadwaydrumming101.substack.com. That's substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. The Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter is your one-stop shop for everything you'll need to know about playing drums for Broadway musicals. When you subscribe to the newsletter, you'll learn about what it takes to be a successful pit musician with content delivered directly to your email inbox two to three times a week. As a paying subscriber, you'll receive behind the scenes access to the life of a musician who makes a living on Broadway. You'll also be able to read every post, not just those occasional free ones. You'll get access to all newsletter issues in the archives and have an ability to participate in subscriber-only comments and events. If you become a founding member for a gift of only $75, you'll receive discounted private drum lessons and a 25% discount on future promotional products. If you'd like to make a direct contribution to the production of this show, you can reach us at Venmo at Clayton-Craddock, Cash App at Syncopated, that's C-I-N-C-O-P-A-T-E-D, or PayPal at Clayton Craddock. Any amount of support will be appreciated. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Broadway Drumming 101 with my guest, Bill Lanham. Thank you for coming, Bill. My pleasure, my pleasure. I'm glad you can join me. I have so many questions to ask you, and but the first thing I'd like to ask is, where are you from? Originally from Lindenhurst, Long Island. Um, Lindenhurst is a town on the border of Nassau and Suffolk, um, uh, South Shore of Long Island. If you've heard of Amityville, which many people have have heard of Amityville because of the movie, it's two towns um, away from Amityville, which is where my mother grew up. My mother grew up in the town of Amityville. My father grew up in the town of Lindenhurst, and they met, and they settled in Lindenhurst, and that's where I'm from. So... Amityville is that true the Amityville horror it's it's uh what happened in the house with the first I didn't see any of the movies because I'm not into that kind of thing okay but I didn't um what happened in the house um was a true story um long story short um a a man or actually it was the son of a family he killed he shot his whole family wow. and um it, there were stories of you know Voices told him to do it, and things were flying around in rooms, blah, blah, blah. 
And hence, I believe that's what the first movie was made about. And then, of course, the whole series kind of went on. But yes, true story. It was in wow. the papers. It was, um, it was um, I think, yeah, actually, I was going to name names, but I, I shouldn't name names. But anyway, yeah, the, the story was in the in the paper about the family and what went on. And yeah, you can Google it, look it up. And, you know, yeah. Interesting. Did you yeah. start... Uh... When did you start playing drums? Was it was it when you were in elementary school, in middle school, high school? Yeah, I started playing drums in elementary school. Um, obviously, before that, you know, buckets and all that stuff. But um, come from a musical family. Mom's a classically trained uh, pianist. Um, dad is a vocalist who came from a family of vocalists. Um, and his oldest brother was a jazz piano player who played with uh, Art Blakey. Um, so, you know, music kind of was in the genes. So yeah, um, started taking formal lessons on drums in fourth grade, um, actually started on piano like a year, a year earlier, and then started taking formal drum lessons, fourth grade, and then, you know, stuck with it. And I was fortunate enough to be in a high school, Lindenhurst High School, had a great music department. Um, were you in the marching band? band was, sorry? Were you in the marching band? Oh yeah, yeah. I was about to say that. Great jet, a great, a great, um, great uh, music department, marching band, and the and and well, I should say jazz band and the marching band. We competed. We we had a guy. Our music, uh, our um, our music director there. He was heavily into marching band. So we um, we competed. We went competed against other schools. We we would march in parades. We would go in competitions. We would travel. Um, tri-state area one a couple times we went out of out of state washington dc um uh various places so yeah we were we we marched marching band season started for us in high school in august we went to band camp for two weeks um in august we we learned our we learned our show or what would be our halftime show for our local football teams which is where we would kind of use that for for practice and then on other weekends, we would travel to other schools that had competitions and and so forth. And we 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 went. I would say August through, I would say through, uh, first couple of weeks of November. And I remember being at some marching band competitions, and it was freezing out there. And oh man, trying to play drums with your, you know, with with uh, without gloves, or sometimes sometimes they would let us wear like gloves that would match our uniforms, and that would be kind of cumbersome you know especially if you're playing snare drum or something that required some more technical proficiency than either playing cymbals or bass drum you know so are are your parents still around no unfortunately not um mom passed away about 10 years ago and dad passed away in um 1980 i was wondering if they if they wound up uh being professional and and they um dad my dad and his brothers they had a duop group when they were younger and they actually uh, they're um they had cut some records they uh, they performed they cut records um i actually have a cd of a compilation of some some of the recordings that they did along with some others who were on the record label that they were on they were on a, of all if you were if you're familiar with old bugs bunny cartoons everything was acme 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 uh Acme this, Acme that, Acme, uh, Acme dynamite, Soap, Acme, yeah, Acme dynamite, yeah. So they were on a label called Acme Records, which was based in on Long Island uh, with uh, with with a bunch of other groups. And 
about maybe 20 years ago, or maybe 25 years ago, a guy um, put out a CD, uh, the best of Acme Rec- the best of Acme Records, and um, about four or five of their cuts are on it. And, oh wow! Yeah, my uncle, um, uh, who was the lead singer in the group, um, Richard Lanham, is still alive, and he lives in Manhattan, still performs. He actually did probably the most professional performing out of all my dad's uncles, um, all, 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 out of all my dad's brothers. Um, he did a lot of off-Broadway stuff. He toured with um, the Ink Spots, um, Harry Belafonte, um, you know, and, um, you know, a uh, bunch of club dates. And yeah, so he's he, he has been and uh, still is to whatever extent he can, a working vocalist. So um, mom... Mom never played professionally. Um, she ended up becoming a, uh, she also majored in um, geography and, and elementary ed. So she was a school teacher for um, most of her career, professional career. But um, she always, her, her piano playing was great. She played great piano. Um, Did you ever play um, with them? I never played with them. No, uh, You mean my, my, my yeah. father's group? Yeah. No, because of the because of the age, because of the age factor. By the time they stopped performing, I was probably I probably wasn't even born yet, and okay. um, so yeah. So um, I never played with them. I did get a chance to hear them sing one night at my um, at my um, at my uncle's house. They all kind of gathered there and did a um, just kind of just jammed one night. I was like, wow, all my uncles are singing. So, and I actually have done gigs with my uncle um who's a singer i've done gigs with him and um performed with him so yeah when you were growing up in uh in high school junior high who were some of your musical influences like even like either musical other than your like family did you have other musical influences and who were some of your drumming influences um I'll, I'll, I'll start with drumming influences, drumming influences. I listen to everybody, um, uh, from the rock guys to the R&B guys to the jazz guys, you know, so, you know, Ferroni, Steve Ferroni, Steve Gadd, Jeff Picaro, Alex Acuna, Elvin Jones, um, uh, um, Steve Smith, you know, um, Steve sound, Gadd, if I didn't mention him yet. You sound like me. You know, you know. People ask me, I, I mentioned Steve Gadd, Steve Smith, Steve Ferroni. It's like, what would Steve... Yeah, all the Steves. All the Steves <laughs> of drumming. Steve Jordan. You know, Steve, Steve Jordan. Was a guy named, yes. there, was a, Steve, there was a guy named Steve Schaefer, studio guy. He was, <laughs> he was great. I mean, lots of, yeah, lots of guys. And then um, musically, um, musically growing up, I listened to a lot of... I listened to a lot of what my father listened to. My father liked to listen to a lot of Obviously, the vocal groups, you know, um, Ink Spots, Temptations, Four Tops, you know. Um, he also liked a lot of, at um, at the time, you would, I guess you would call it um, instrumental rock or jazz. So, like Chicago, um, um, what else would he would listen to? Uh, um, so many different, so many different um, things from different, um, different, uh, Different genres. Sorry, my my printer was going off. That's all right. Ink, uh, in there. Sorry about that. Um, so, so many different things from different genres that um, were, you know, just influential. He listened to um, 
he listened to a lot of Brazilian stuff. Um, so, so influences came from everywhere. They came from, you know, all those things that were played in the house and also the things that I like to listen to, you know. Um, so, yeah, there was numerous, we, numerous influences. In high school, did you participate in any kind of battle of the bands? Were you in like rock bands, funk bands, any of that stuff? I was in a, it was kind of more of a, a rock, I'd say a pop rock band. And we were, we didn't really compete, but we we ended up doing a lot of gigs because um, we kind of covered a lot of different things. We played, um, we played a lot of, we played some Lemon Skinnerd. We played some, we played some disco. We played some R&B. We played a little bit of everything. So a lot of times we would get, um, we would get hired to do, let's say a school function. You know, we did, we did a couple of homecomings. We did a couple of um, graduation parties, stuff like that, you know? So there was always, um, you know, we did a lot of gigs like that. And so we never really competed because we were, we were kind of the only band that could cover like a bunch of different things, you know. Um, we actually, they. What was the name of the band? Oh, wow. The name of the band. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? That's a good question, Click. What was the name? The band never had a, an official name because of the fact that it was, um, there was, um, some people actually asked us on the gigs, hey, what's the name of your band? And we were like, oh, we don't have a band. So, our lead singer's name, her name was Joan Paul. So someone said, oh, we'll call the Joan Paul band, you know. You know. <laughs> um, and then the um, there were two brothers in the band um, whose last name was Stefan. So they called, oh, call the Stefan Brothers band, you know. So we actually never really came up with a name. You know, it was just kind of like, oh, let's let's hire these guys, you know. So Joan Paul. I and like actually, that. the other band, the, the other band I played in, um, that was this was more of an R&B group. Uh, we were called. Um, natural high and we played we played we played a lot of r&b and one of the groups we played a lot of we played a lot of brothers johnson and we played a lot of slave stuff you know yeah slave um, now dun, we're talking dun, 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 yes. dun, slide, dun, you know all that. oh man i didn't think anybody else but me like yeah slave. baby baby you know. <laughs> you know. i used to love slave man good i'm sorry Man, that's so bad. I'm gonna have my grandmother check that out. Remember <laughs> yeah, that, remember remember that, that line yes. and slide and slide. That's so bad. I'm gonna have my grandmother check yeah, that the out. The whole uh, that toy horn thing, the, yeah. the bicycle <laughs> horn. <laughs> right, right. They used Those to guys, man, the bass player in that group, his Mark name Adams. Was Mark Adams. Oh He's my. no joke. Oh no my joke. goodness! All his stuff was, and he was like, I think he was like a teenager in the group when the rest of the guys were like in their like mid mid 20s or late 20s or something like that yeah he was i heard they did that song <laughs> slide in one take that was the first take that they did really and if you wow. hear it you know it starts out one tempo but it winds up at another but still it's yeah, still yeah, one yeah. song and it's 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 raw yeah <laughs> drag yeah, yeah. yeah drag my name is drag yeah <laughs> come on baby I ain't gonna bite you. I ain't you. gonna bite you. I'm gonna let you hang on. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh man, my yeah. favorite album from them was Stone Jam, though. It came out in 82, 81. Okay, okay. But anyway, enough about me. Okay. This is about you. So uh did you go on to college after high school? I did. You- uh, went to college at uh local 
uh, Long Island University, out on Long Island, um, as a computer science major. Really? Um, yep. I was a computer science major and music minor because um, mom was a school teacher and she said, you know, you want to have something to fall back on. And last year of high school, I was in the computer club and I really liked it. I was like, wow, this is cool. I said, but I don't want to keep up music. So she said, well, why don't you try majoring in computer science? And I was like, okay. So I majored in computer science. And after my first semester, I hated it. Um, however, well, actually my first two semesters, I was like, oh, this is not for me. But I, I kind of still liked it. There was something about it that I did like, you know, so I kind of stuck with it for a minute. But I was also, um, I also, when I went to school, I was heavily involved in, even though I was a music minor, I was heavily, heavily involved in the music department. So um, I was in the concert band, I was in the chorus. And then I found out that they were giving scholarships to people or, you know, p- partial scholarships to people who were in the chorus or, or um, band. So I was like, oh, I said, maybe I'll audition. So then I auditioned. So they gave me some money. And then, um, then I joined some performing groups. And by join, joining performing groups, I got some more money. So, so yeah, I was heavily, I did probably more musical activity in college than I did computer work, even though I had to, I had to, I did my computer work because I had to because I would, that was my major. I did my music. I did the music stuff because that's what I wanted to do. That's what I, that's what my passion was. So, um, and so, yeah, so long story short, I went to college and the, um, the choral director there, he was a, he was and is a great musician, Alexander Dashnon, great musician. And as, as were all the um, teachers there, but he specifically, I really bonded with him he was the director of the um, of the chorus and of the chamber singers, which was a group I was in. It was we did a lot of um, classical, magical kind of stuff, you know. But his musicianship was like just amazing, and I learned so much from him in terms of just being a musician. In terms of you know when you hit that when you hit when you see something that says piano, make sure it's soft, and when you have a crescendo, make sure you know. And he was just mm. he was all about he was all about the music, and that he was all about making music. You know, um, watch watching the conductor. If the chorus and he would embarrass us, he would say, "If you guys don't watch me, I will embarrass you right here on the stage." And don't think I won't do it because I've done it before. And when people were like buried in their music, and like, and because maybe they didn't know the music well enough, and they were buried in their music, and he was conducting, okay, and he would change a tempo, and he would, and then <laughs> you would look up and you would be like, "Where's one? Where's two? Oh no! And he would he would do it on stage because he was that serious about make sure you watch me. If you don't watch me, I'm running the show here. Make sure you watch me because I will embarrass you. And he did that as a way of teaching us to make sure. Okay, it's okay to look at your music. Obviously, you know not everything's going to be memorized, but make sure you're also you know you're checking in and seeing what's going on. And I learned so much from him in terms of just making sure that you're you're in tune with the conductor and making sure you know it's all right to read the music but make sure you know if something's coming up where something might change or you feel something's going to be a little different you know you gotta maybe take your eyes out of the music and and you know (laughs) and and you may have to guess at what you're playing but make sure you're with him because something might be going on so anyway he was he was a great musician i learned so much from him and um he actually sometimes would um would hire 
or would would use faculty and hire people to play with the chorus if we were doing something. Let's say we were doing Handel's Messiah or something like that. He would hire an orchestra and or and you know and so when I learned that he was doing that, I went up to him. I said, "Hey, listen, Professor Dashnar, I I know I'm in the chorus." I said but I would really love to play this timpani part or I'd really love to play this, you know, snare drum part, you know, and, and, you know, if you're hiring an orchestra, he says, okay, you know, I'll keep you in mind. And um, he did that a couple of times, a couple of times where um, he hired an orchestra. He says, okay, I have, I have a timpanist. And um, he would, he would, he'd say, okay, yeah, you don't have to sing. I want you to play timpani. And I'd be like, great. You know? And so it was great experience because I got a chance as a college student to, um, sing obviously with the chorus, but also got a chance to play with other professionals, you know, and, you know, it was, you know, that, you know, that style, that discipline, I, uh, I was able to get and learn. So that was a nice experience. So you, you were a computer science major in the early eighties and, yep. but you were passionate about music and all of your efforts went towards music in college. Did you wind up getting a degree in, uh, computer science? Got my degree in what was called um, communication sciences, which is basically what the with what the computer science program was. I got my degree in that, um, but then I and I got my music minor. But then I went back to grad school and um, did uh, music ed and um, pursued um, just getting my degree in, in education as well. So um, I got my bachelor's in uh the computer world so to speak or communication sciences and i got my uh master's in music ed so um, did you eventually go into teaching i i actually it's funny i fell into a couple of teaching positions um when i was um when i was student teaching um I fell into a position. I was student teaching with another drummer friend of mine um, who taught in the Amityville School District. His name is Everett Collins. He was he was the drummer. He was a drummer for the Isley Brothers, um, uh, touring drummer for the Isley Brothers, who also went to the same Isley Brothers and Everett also went to the same college I went to, CW Post, Long Island University. Um, anyway, and he's an old family. He's a family friend from way back. So we, um, my student taught with him in Amityville uh, for a month. And the chorus teacher who they had just hired got another job. And so she left. And so they asked me after one month of student teaching to take over the class for, take over her, her courses and her classes for a couple of weeks. So I said, all right. And they asked Everett, hey, can you handle this? Yeah, you can handle it. So I did that for a couple of weeks. Uh, so I was student teaching and getting paid, which was kind of cool. Mm. Um, and it really helped me get my piano chops together too, because I had to kind of, you know, uh, somewhat accompany the chorus. So I was, you know, use my <clears throat> limited skills on on mallets to kind of play on the piano, at least at least chords and stuff. So, and so I did that for a couple of weeks, and then they interview, were interviewing people and said, "Oh, we don't like this person. We don't like this person." Said, so "Well, like, oh, can you stand for another couple of weeks? Sure, no problem." <clears throat> and then at the end of my student teaching. They said, would you like to stay on for the rest of the year as a permanent sub? And I said, sure. So I said, okay. So I stayed on for the rest of the year as a permanent sub teaching um, uh, two courses and general music. And then was officially offered that position the following school year. 
um, and started the started the year again at that school. And then that was the year that um, I also was I also by that point was doing some subbing on Broadway. I was doing I was subbing on shows and stuff, playing drums. Um, and at that point, um, um, I got the call to go on the first national tour of Les Miserables as the drummer. Before we go into that, yeah, you finished grad school, then then you decided to move to New York. I was already in New York because Lindenhurst, Lindenhurst, I was living on Long Island. Lindenhurst, the town I grew up in, was um, is a town, um, is a city on Long Island. So I was already in New York. So I mean, like I was moving, in New York to you just sorry. commuting back and forth. Yeah, commuting back and forth. They're on the train, okay. on the train, it's uh, maybe about an hour outside of town. You know? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't. So yeah. So no, I was. Sorry, you, you didn't. You didn't move into the city at all. You were just going back and forth. No, yeah, I never moved into the city, so to speak. I was living in Suffolk County, but there was it was it was a commute. It was a um, uh, the commute was you know was was fine. I could do that, so it wasn't a big deal. So, so yeah. what got you into doing shows? Um, <clears throat> the first uh, I started doing some community, a lot of community theater when I was in college. You know, that was one of the things I did that kind of. Um, you know, like I said before, I was pursuing, I was doing a lot of music stuff when I was in college and I was doing a lot of community theater. So doing a lot of shows that um, were in community theaters and um, name got around, I'll hire Bill for this, hire Bill for that, you know, and then my name, you know, I started, you know, getting a lot of work there. And then um, I started taking lessons with a guy in New York who was doing a lot of shows. I started taking timpani lessons from him. And we built up a, rela- a relationship and he started, he was doing some shows. He said, why don't you come down and sit in the pit with me here? So I started sitting in pits and watching him, meeting some people. And then he, and then um, through him, um, I started subbing on some shows and then some shows on Broadway. And then, um, you know, started doing the Broadway thing. What was the first show that you subbed on? The first show I subbed on was a show called Song and Dance, which was an Andrew Lloyd Webber show um, starring, initially starring Betty Buckley, but when, I'm sorry, initially starring um, Bernadette Peters, but then Betty Buckley came in um, at the end when I subbed on it. So um, funny thing about that with me was I subbed on it once and then, and then, and then, and then the show closed like a couple uh. of weeks later, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, uh back when you first started, did they have a uh conductor cam? Nope. <clears throat> no conductor cam. <clears throat> so what you would do, excuse me, back in the day, um, which is like late, you know, um uh late eighties, uh mid mid to late eighties, um, you'd go in, you would bring your Sony Walkman cassette recorder, uh record the show. Um, that would be your 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 practice tape. Record that show, and then um, basically you would take as many notes as you could on. And you would get a you would make a photocopy of the book of the part, and you would make as many notes as you could. Oh, the conductor gives a downbeat here, or he gives he subdivides here. But stuff is. I mean, it's only so much you can write down as something is going on in you know in performance. I mean, if you're at rehearsal, then you can kind of you know, sketch stuff in, but at, 
in performances, like you only get so much, you know, so you would rely, rely a lot on your notes and also con talking to the, um, the player you're subbing for, Hey, how does the conductor conduct this measure? Are there subdivisions? Are there, you know, where does he retard? You know, where does he cut off all that stuff? So yeah, so no, so there was no video. So you would go back numerous times to watch. Um, uh, my policy was always, and my policy still is, is to watch at least, um, at least three or four times. If not, I, I would sometimes go watch five times, six times, you know, because there was no video, you know, there was no conductor cam, you know, nowadays, you know, you have people making conductor videos, which is great, which is really helpful, you know, <clears throat> not only you may not have to go back as many times, but then now you can rewind and you can see all those details that you would need to play the drum book or play the, you know, any book, you know, so that you would know what the, what the um, conductor is doing. So, so yeah, no, no conductor, no conductor videos back in the, in the, um, in the late eighties and so forth. So. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast. My name is Clayton Craddock, and you're listening to Bill Lanham. He is my guest today, and this is just part one of our two-part conversation. In part two of our conversation, you're going to hear how he got the first national tour of Les Mis, how he wound up getting the Broadway chair for Les Mis, and doing it for 12 years straight. He talks about his experiences at South Pacific, Evita, Cats, and many others. But we also talk about what are the things that drummers should never do in a Broadway pit and what are the things drummers should always do in a Broadway pit. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening.